You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. I'm Adam Geisler, and I serve as the National Tribal Government Liaison with the First Responder Network Authority. We're here in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, with the Tribal Working Group to discuss the current future uh, work that the First Net Authority is going to be doing with tribes across Indian Country. Today, we're joined by Danae Wilson, a leader at the forefront of tribal emergency communications and telecommunications in general for Indian Country. Danae has a long history in this field with more than two decades of experience working for the Department of Interior, Office of Special Trustee, as a consultant for a communications company and public utilities and a retail chain that covered New Mexico and Texas. Today today serves as the manager of the Department of Technology Services for the Nez Perce Tribe, which is located in Northern Idaho, and the National Congress of American Indians, NCAI, Public Safety Advisory Committee representative and delegate to the Peace Act Tribal Working Group. She also serves on the Federal Communications Commission Intergovernmental Advisory Committee and the Native Nations Communication Task Force. Finally, she leads the Public Safety Advisory Committee Tribal Working Group, as she did today for our uh, Tribal Working Group uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast today. We want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you, Adam, for having me today. So today we want to jump right into it. Regarding uh, your role on the Tribal Working Group, as a leader uh, from Indian Country, how do you feel that the Working Group is best serving Indian Country today? I think the Tribal Working Group is a uh, uh, an excellent group of first responders, deployers, users of the network, and um, experts, subject matter experts for tribal nations. I also think that the Tribal Working Group is, has developed great policy and is doing good advocacy for Indian Country. So I know that you're fresh and new to the advisory committee being newly appointed here in just the last few months, um, but I was wondering if you'd kind of give us some insight into what your uh, thoughts are about the purpose of the group moving forward uh, as it relates to FirstNet and the Public Safety Advisory Committee. I think the prior TWIG, um, both iterations before my appointment to the TWIG set a good foundation for us to build upon. I think what we're going to be focusing on is adoption and deployment. Uh, we'll also be looking at uh, meaningful input to the roadmap that's going to be developed. And we're looking for uh, good testimony about how tribal consultation is gonna work in the benefit of the tribes. So now that the network is here, how do you think tribes are going to react to the deployment of the network as it starts to come online in Indian Country? I think we're clamoring for good, solid cellular communications, emergency communications. I think having zero access and going to meaningful access or access that's actually going to benefit Indian Country is a step in the right direction. So I think for some of the listeners that we have out there that are new to Indian Country topics or issues, can you give us a little bit of an overview about the current landscape of cellular technology and how that relates to, to uh, first responders today in Indian Country? I think there's a real lack of understanding that uh, Indian Country truly is left behind. 
rural America in general is left behind. We don't have 3G in some locations, let alone um, 4G or LTE service. So the deployment of the FirstNet network is going to bring us, it's a significant step forward. It's bridging a gap that currently uh, wouldn't be bridged any other way. I mean, there is no way to get from point A to point B without this particular path forward in specific locations. If you take a representative from Montana who talked today about having a northern border where 13 unmanned locations have zero cellular signal, no uh, LMR signal, uh, it's difficult for tribes to manage a border. And that goes all across any country, but definitely uh, those tribes who are bordering uh, international borders are seeing a more significant uh, communications challenge. So I think you bring up a really interesting point that with over 573 tribes that are federally recognized across the United States, there's a lot of jurisdictional challenges that have to be taken on uh, in doing uh, public safety service in and around Indian country. Uh, but I think that's something that's important that you regularly share with the body and with FirstNet is your experience in working with multiple agencies that are off-reservation. Could you share with us a little bit about your interactions and how you work with the surrounding communities uh, in and around Nez Perce? So the Nez Perce Reservation is a checkerboard reservation, which means we have multiple land statuses. The uh, issue on our reservation is we'll have county, we'll have city, uh, state, tribal, Bureau of Indian Affairs, Forest Service, and uh, federal agents uh, all on our reservation. So jurisdictional challenges are significant for us. Who to call when an emergency happens? Who's the responding agency? Who's responsible for the individual hurt? And is it on tribal land or non-tribal land? What is the status? Uh, I think reservations all across the United States where the tribe is a checkerboard or where they're a landless tribe but have treaty rights uh, continues to be a significant problem and deployment on reservation is a challenge too for carriers. Uh, we recognize that and tribes are working diligently to address those issues and to bring um, consultation and deployment and competition to their reservations to address their, their issues. So are there a lot of casinos in Idaho I believe uh, the three tribes that are in Idaho have casinos, uh, so but not every tribe does. I think the perception is every tribe has gaming and every tribe is rolling in riches. The reality is for much further from the truth and that uh, tribal casinos, that income from that goes back into social service programs and back into our emergency responders. Uh, our police department, uh, we don't, uh, our tax basis is limited the incomes on reservation are limited, so the Casino Hop supplement service to its membership and service to its communities by funding police departments, conservation enforcement officers, social service programs, education programs. So I think you just brought up a really good point about the way that tribal economies function and the way that public safety is able to fund their activities in tribal communities. Uh, often from what we see in our travels here at FirstNet is when we start to talk about procurement processes and lead times and things to think about for the network as it's coming online, what we're finding is that a lot of tribes are paying for all of those public safety and social services through their gaming activities. Uh, so it sounds like that's something that's going on for you as well. It is. Our uh, tobacco tax, as an example, helps fund our 
law enforcement office and, and our conservation enforcement gets uh, uh, amount of funding from our gaming allocation. We also get Bureau Indian Affairs funding for our uh, law enforcement office. But beyond that, uh, federally, we apply to Homeland Security, which helps uh, supply funding for communications on reservation. And that's significantly important for NESPERS because uh, prior to us having our own radio communications on our own towers, we had to um, supplement other agencies' communications budgets. And in some cases, in significant amounts of money, money that we could have easily reinvested in our own infrastructure, but to benefit the region, we partnered with regional carriers and law enforcement agencies or radio communication agencies. And we've made an effort to uh, share that infrastructure for the betterment of the entire region. So the so the advent of FirstNet coming online here in the near future, um, I, I know you've been involved in some uh, pretty successful and exciting conversations with our partner. Uh, so that's that's got to be creating a level of excitement then in the community have an additional uh, carrier coming into the area to help with public safety uh, communications and also to help with uh, the general public's access to services that maybe haven't been there. Is that a, a, an accurate representation? It is. Nespers Tribe has uh, expended a, an enormous amount of money for what we have available for infrastructure to help build what's necessary to bring FirstNet's partner to the table and to expand services on reservation. We're really looking forward to having a network that is going to be available with preemption and priority for our emergency communicators that doesn't exist right now and that we're not able to procure with any other entity. Wonderful. Well, that's exciting stuff. I, I know that uh, you've championed a lot of things related to FirstNet here in the last uh, in the last few months, uh, but I also know you're championing some things prior to coming on board with our uh, with our working group. Um, are there any processes that are available to tribes that you've experienced that have been helpful that you may want to share with some of the listeners? I do think there's uh, tribal consultation, of course, as always. I've been preaching that for years. Utilize the tools that you have. FirstNet is our federal partner, and they recognize that. So. Uh, championing something that we have access to and that we can call upon to bring uh, other entities responders to the table is great for us I also think um, being involved in your uh, state operations your emergency communications whatever those state operables are called in your state those emergency um, planning committees are going to determine how deployment is taking place in your state Tribes need to take an active role in how their states and demand a seat at that table. Uh, it's their right, and it, right now that's where the deployment monies are going is to states. The plans are going through the state plans, so I really think uh, tribes need to take a, an, an aggressive role in ensuring that their lands are included. So I think that that kind of dovetails into some, some other thoughts and comments I, I'm hoping we can get from you related to the work that you've done specifically with the First Responder Network Authority and AT&T on planning and, and addressing challenges. I'm, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the experiences that you've had so far in implementing policies or in coordinating with uh, AT&T and FirstNet. Well, I want to say, first of all, our tribal consultation was hugely successful. 
I, I can't thank Forsnet enough for, for taking on that government-to-government relationship with Nesperson in particular, but tribes in general, recognizing that federal role, federal-to-federal, federal, it, it was enormously beneficial to Nespers. In deployment, um, it gave AT&T a really good sense of the fact that the tribe is at a level that they may not have known we were able to perform at, and that we understood uh, what those emergency communication needs were probably better than anybody else, and that those emergency communications were not only benefiting the tribe, but benefiting the entire region. And so um, having that ability and FirstNet responding to the request was extremely helpful for us. Uh, and they helped negotiate where now our region is gonna see enhanced deployment that previous to our request for government to government was not as robust. We're gonna see a significant increase in what's going to be available in North Central Idaho that would not have been there otherwise. So looking into the future and and where FirstNet is going, you're obviously one of the first uh, tribes to work through some of the processes and, and help correct some of the challenges as we all learn together. But I'm wondering if there's some points or thoughts that you may want to share with other tribes that are considering either purchasing service or working with our partner uh, to, to expand coverage and infrastructure in their lands. I do think that uh, tribes need to recognize that FirstNet has tribal representation. They have liaisons that know reservations, they know tribal governments, and they're able to um, elevate issues right to the very top. And so those uh, liaisons like yourself and Margaret have been really instrumental in identifying points of contact at tribes. I think tribes need to take advantage of the fact that we have a resource that allows us to elevate our issues and help bring deployment to our reservations where if we hadn't had that, if you weren't out doing 52 or more sites a year or hitting all of our national conferences, we wouldn't know about it. I do think tribes need to take a more active role. I think we need to own uh, the expansion of the network uh, on our reservation lands and we need to look as at, at this as a true partnership. We're benefiting in our communities by increased broadband, but we're also um, more importantly bringing emergency communications where in some locations, Nespers as an example, uh, we have no AT&T presence right now and we're really looking forward to having that enhanced emergency communication. So as we kind of wrap this up, are there any additional thoughts or closing comments you want to make related to either FirstNet, are there things that maybe we can look at doing better? Or are there things that you think we're doing well? And what's what advice do you have for us to improve our ability to impact tribal communities and public safety? I think uh, for tribes, it's, it's hard because we're so different. Uh, everybody thinks um, one tribe is the same as the next tribe, and frankly, we're not. And some of us are further behind than others in terms of broadband access and what's available, uh, fiber in the ground or microwave backhaul or whatever the situation may be, standard pots, uh, some reservations, addressing is a real problem. Uh, not knowing that and not seeing it, it's really difficult to believe that there's still places in the United States today that don't have addressing, that there is no street name, that you have uh, multi-generations living in one home and that in a lot of locations, there just is 
no access to any type of technology. So cell phones aren't going to work, land mobile radios aren't going to work, but engaging tribes early on, especially if there is a deployment plan, it helps us become better prepared to welcome that service and to get through our processes internally. So uh, we heard from our Navajo Nation representative today that it's a 24 month process for tower siting. You know, uh, FirstNet wouldn't know that. AT&T wouldn't know that if we didn't have a tribal working group. If we didn't have tribal representatives telling FirstNet this is what our process is uh, and this is the steps to take to bring deployment on reservation. So I think I think you uh, you really gave some great advice here in terms of the level of consciousness that we ha need to have uh, in working with our partner and developing relationships early in order to achieve some of the uh, network deployment elements that need to be considered when looking at site acquisition or tower deployment. So that's those are great suggestions. Um, when it comes down to Indian country sharing data. This will be our last topic, and I know it'll be a sensitive one. From your perspective, how do you think FirstNet will help or hinder uh, the sharing of data or the willingness for tribes to want to share uh, information over the network? I think there's going to be a level of data sharing. Already we have information on driver's licenses. We have information that's already shared with the state coming in and saying that's the data that we want, we're already sharing that as individuals with our states, with our counties, uh, with our local governments. So uh, anything beyond that, enrollment data, um, income data, that type of stuff is gonna be extremely sensitive. Tribes are gonna be really reserved in, in regard to how they do enrollment, what, those enrollment, uh, what that enrollment database looks like and how our data is maintained, but if, they're truly only looking at sharing data that would already be on a public network and they can advertise that it's already on a public network, then you're not going to have as much pushback as you would say, saying, give me connection to your tribal databases, give me connection to your enrollment databases. Uh, you're going to see a significant pushback on that. So I think you're going to see um, if data sharing uh, comes down to membership and enrollment you're gonna see that there's a significant pushback against that. But if it's already publicly accessible data, that's not gonna be as much of an issue. And you'll see tribes adopt more if they can change that message that we're, we only want the information that's already publicly available. So it sounds like we have a topic for our next tribal working group meeting <laughs> as it relates to data sharing and, and how we message some of those things. Um, as we close this out, I just wanted to see if there was anything that you wanted to share that we hadn't covered and, you know, make sure you have the opportunity to share with the rest of the public safety community that's going to be listening to this podcast today. Um, what did we miss or what did we leave on the table or what are the thoughts that you have that you want to make sure people understand as it relates to Indian country and FirstNet? I, first, I just want to say thank you to FirstNet and their partner for bringing broadband and deployment to reservations. But I, I would say that we're sophisticated. We were nations before anybody else came. We had a society before anybody else was here. And we truly are respective of each other. And so more than anything, don't come thinking we don't know what we're doing because although some of us are further behind than others, we definitely know what we want 
we know how we're going to get there and in 90 percent 80 percent of the cases we're either already building it or we're blazing the trail so that an entity can walk in like your partner and say oh they have an infrastructure let's utilize what they have wonderful well danae i just wanted to thank you for your time and your commitment uh, to the working group and to making the first responder network authority the best that we can uh, and quite frankly your candor um, we can't improve the network without having an honest dialogue and we know that the public safety community can handle the tough conversations that we have to have whether it's in indian country or any place else um, so with that i'm going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast today i want to thank all the listeners uh, for joining us at the public safety uh, first podcast the first tribal edition so to all of you out there, Nishun Plovic, and you guys have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at firstnet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at firstnet.com.